Hello and welcome to this new Ozint Origins podcast. I'm Sylvain Ajri, Ozintofor.com co-founder, and today we are very, very, very <laughs> glad to welcome Laurent Bodo, uh, Ozint Curious co-founder and also Ozint Jobs founders. Uh, Hello, uh, Laurent. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm good, good. Thank you so much for having me on. This is such an honor. Thanks. It's a pleasure for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you please introduce yourself and say more about your professional background, please? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I st where, where shall I start? Like I usually do these interviews as well. And then I ask the same questions. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know where to start. So um, the short story is kind of like I got into OSINT by accident. Uh, I didn't know what it was, but I was interested in the kind of, you know, um, in this kind of information gathering and, you know, trying to answer questions. So that's the short answer. The long answer, <laughs> I can talk, I can give you <laughs> yeah, the long sure. answer as well. Uh, basically, so my background is more like in uh, academia. Um, so early on when I left school, um, I, I went to the military first for almost two years. I did my basic service and extended it a little bit. Um, and then during that time, I got interested in international security, uh, specifically terrorism. And this made me think, like, what do I want to do with my life? And so after a couple of, uh, you know, um, things happening, uh, I then decided to go to uh, university. And this is why I studied, uh, did a bachelor's degree in political science and oriental studies. Uh, so here the focus early on was on what attracted me at that time was, of course, like the, the big terrorist organizations and trying to understand them. So trying to study them. That's why I thought... Political scientist gives you a good background of understanding complex issues worldwide and oriental studies primarily to, to learn the Arabic language, which is extremely, extremely difficult, but very, very uh, beautiful language as well. Um, and then this is what I did. And during the bachelor's, um, I you know, decided to move on to the next stage and do master's and also decided to do a PhD, um, which I, in the end I couldn't do. Um, because of financial reasons, it was just too expensive. This was in London, uh, but I got an, a master's of research in the end, regardless. So in total, um, I did three master degrees, um, not because I wanted to collect them, I keep saying this, but just because it just happened. Uh, so the first master's was actually a double master's, um, where I think, I mean, if people are listening to this and they're considering to do something similar, I highly recommend it, I learned so much. So the first year was in, in the UK, Uh, which was good for me, you know, to speak uh, the language and also improve my English. Um, and then the second year was in Germany. And, uh, you know, you do two years and then you get two masters. So <laughs> you can't say no. And then I wanted to do a PhD. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out, as I said. But at least I got a, a master's of research. And, you know, during the time, so this was starting early on in, um, in my um, bachelor's, um, As I said, I wanted to focus on, you know, uh, uh, jihadism uh, and Salafism and study the phenomenon specifically in the German context. And this is also how my OSIN journey started because I, um, the, you know, the, um, um, the, the lecturers, they, they told me like, yeah, you're going to uh, struggle. You will not find primary data. Uh, it's going to be very tough and difficult. And then I just went out on my own and uh, was, you know, finding all these um, you know, uh, hate preachers, um, let's put it that way. And I was really curious to, to see like all the information they put out on the YouTube accounts and all the social media accounts. And then I started just by curiosity, you know, trying to identify more websites and see more social media accounts and was just surprised by how open it was 
what they were talking about and especially the people commenting you know there was a video uh, published uh, by this one uh, person and then he gives advice on you know how to do certain things in society and then all these comments were like very um you know you could see that these people were um radicalized uh, some of them also even like violently radicalized uh, and this got me really into this thing of how can i use this information and how can i use it for research purposes and then one thing led to another and then i uh, stumbled across you know os int <laughs> i didn't know what it was and then i you know googled it and understood like open source intelligence oh this is what you know intelligence agencies do i'm like ha uh, you know and then read more and more and then understanding slowly that you know all these pe by piecing um, or finding these pieces of information putting them together analyzing them you can actually create something like a product and then i was like really hooked and then uh, i did a, a sockmint course uh, once that got me really started with the basics and then literally like all the, the rest of it i was just like self taught and i think um i would also say that i'm kind of like one of these people um that are, have a different background so usually you have people you know coming from i don't know like public sector uh, uh, law enforcement or something where they get trained professionally whereas i and many others just like are self-taught or did also some courses and this is what i really like about um about the field of osint so you know the more you're interested in it and you know curious curiosity plays a huge role um the more you just want to learn and then you learn new things you try them and then it works out uh, but i still want to stress that uh, professional training is still very important you know um especially when you do things like intelligence analysis and and that kind of stuff Uh, so yeah that's kind of like uh, about my background uh, as an osin practitioner so i also worked in various positions uh, primarily focusing on you know researching uh, violent extremists and terrorist entities online and here it was more about you know trying to use osin techniques to extract insights and knowledge um, to counter these entities Uh, so it was about you know how can we measure um you know um the effectiveness of for instance counter narrative uh, counter narratives uh, so counter narratives being like you know you publish a video and then you tag people they should watch it or you host it on specific websites and when people watch this it should counter the narratives that they believe in how could you measure uh, the effectiveness effectiveness of such a campaign was one of the research projects i worked on but also another project um i was involved in was researching osint techniques and tools to you know how to identify um this was at the time with the so-called islamic state um how to identify these people who went over how can you actually find those people in the first place and how can we you know extract the relevant knowledge and uh, uh, information about these people that can be also used you know for law enforcement um and other agencies that are interested in these people to you know for prosecution purposes um and th this these were like the the things and later on also in um um other places you know trying to quantify the the um the amount of the propaganda and everything that is put out and also to systematically um analyze you know the how it actually works you know um how um these narratives or how these um uh, how the propaganda is being distributed to better understand it to then effectively counter it by you know um trying to tackle this platform or cutting it here so they can't uh, spread it 
Uh, and yeah, and throughout the years, I've also done um, specifically in this context training courses, uh, focusing on these techniques because I learned quickly that um, no one was really doing it. Um, not that no one was doing it, but uh, that's kind of like a niche uh, in this in this field. And there are many, many great people out there who have been uh, researching violent extremists and terrorist entities, also with a specific OSINT focus. But this is what I kind of like uh, found for myself, the interest in OSINT and specifically the research topic. And this led me also to create, you know, start.me. Everyone has a start.me page, right? <laughs> so I have also, I think, three or so. And one of them, it's radter-osint.com, so radicalization terrorism-osint. And what I tried to do is, because I realized many practitioners uh, and researchers, they also asked me, like, uh, what kind of techniques or tools can you share and what would you recommend? So I built this dashboard for, you know, like an overview of, these are all the research institutes that publish amazing research. And these are also like specific OSINT tools that you can use for this platform, for that platform, etc. And then, yeah, um, I, it just, I just got hooked, you know, with this OSINT and uh, yeah, just carry it throughout. And then, you know, you always find something new that interests you and then you just continue. And for, you know, for someone who is just starting out or even someone who wants to transition, um, I, I always say, like, whatever it is that you want to do, just follow your passion. My passion, in this case, it's, you know, researching these uh, interesting uh, entities, um, and but also combine it with OSINT and try and find new research techniques that, that you can share and help others. Um, yeah, so, exactly. Uh, long answer, as I said. <laughs> but uh, answer, very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> So after your military uh, experience, you, you said you, you you trained in those into in Sakmint, but um, did you did you done some challenges or this kind of stuff, or it did, didn't exist uh, at this yeah. at this time? No. Yeah. So I also want to stress. So I did like a basic service. So I wasn't uh, like trained or anything. I was actually trained as a driver. <laughs> I can drive, <laughs> but uh, that's about it. Um, so I haven't done anything in this regard. Um, But in terms of like coming out and doing some of the, uh, you know, challenges that we have right now, there was nothing really out there where you could, you know, kind of like join and then try to do something. I was also aware when I started off that uh, my skills were really rudimentary. So there was not much. And I also knew about the limitations, but it's specifically, you know, at, um, at universities, um, I was also not allowed to do, you know, certain um, studies because of the ethics and the legal aspects involved. To be honest, at that time, um, also the uh, the supervisors, they, uh, when I did my um, bachelor's, they, they weren't really sure about the, the legality of this thing. And also the, the facts. And for me, what was also important and up to the present day, like I will not do anything that will kind of, that could impact an ongoing investigation, for instance. This is very important to keep in mind that, you know, just because you can find these, you know, chat rooms, and you could interact with them, that by doing this, um, you know, first of all, I don't have a legal ground to do this. Even if it's just interest, uh, people need to be aware, and this is specifically like in this context, need to be aware that this is a very sensitive subject and it could impact um, uh, investigations. And I heard stories from uh, that journalists, they, you know, they try to, you know, have a, have a cool story and they were following uh, jihadists online and they were communicating with them 
And then uh, law enforcement, you know, after six months found out that they were talking to a journalist and not to, you know, the, to on the other end that it was a jihadist. And this is the kind of thing I mean, like you don't know who are you interacting with. And uh, as a principal, like I, I'm more passive, like I'm not active because this is not, you know, uh, in terms of from my point of view, when I was doing it, um, I, I didn't, my, my research questions were not asking like, find out uh, the name of this person by talking to them or so it was more like describing what you can see so passive um passive scanning and what's also important here is that you know by doing this kind of passive thing you easily and this goes also quickly you can enter into passive into active things as well by joining chat rooms for instance people will notice you and they will maybe also reach out and ask by the way who are you uh, so these things um really like uh, were always in my mind especially that someone could knock on my door at any point and be like, hey, who are you? What are you doing uh, on these um, chat rooms? So when I was working in, in professional context, like this was, um, you know, everything had to be solid in terms of, you know, you have uh, certain standard operating procedures, uh, operational security, absolutely important. And um, we, we were communicating with um, uh, law enforcement, uh, for instance, and also with other stakeholders because this was like a professional setting. So I'm just saying these things in case someone is interested in doing something similar. And just because you can find easily like Telegram links and, uh, you know, it's not it's not the way forward. Um, there should be, you know, there's a low, um, what is it? Um, the, the There's no barrier to enter the world of OSINT. Um, and I caution, I mean, there are areas where you can play around, but you should always keep in mind that you can always it can always lead to, um, you know, to harm in, in the real world uh, by doing certain things, by geolocating, for instance, a location and revealing the, the location of a person that took a video which is very sensitive and putting it on Twitter, for instance, and then giving everyone the location of where it was filmed from. Um, and in, in this context, um, like extremism and terrorism specifically, as I said, like it can be super dangerous. So um, coming also back to your question, at that time, there, there was no real um, opportunities to take part in this. Um, and this was also the time when, you know, I started talking to people on social media as well. And then we kind of like had the same thing, like there needs to be something where people can practice. And the OSINT community was pretty small at that time. And I remember even, um, I mean, Bellingcat, for instance, um, I was following them early on and they weren't... Uh, like, you know, generally it's on like one tweet that was like, I found it so cool, like geolocation, how they did it and everything. It's had like, I don't know, 10, 12 likes maybe and uh, some, some retweets. By now, I mean, everyone knows Bellingcat. Like it, it went through the roof, like um, uh, really, really interesting uh, and great work. And uh, at that time, there was n not much out there. And to practice, um, that's why I'm stressing like professional training is, is uh it's very important so you can you you are guided basically and they walk you through because not everyone is aware of you know l of the legal aspects of by doing certain things um you know in in particular countries the the legislation differs there are lots of things to consider but yeah there was a definitely a gap in in the kind of like OSINT market i would say yeah um you you say that then you specialized in the issue of uh, radicalization and jihadist propaganda what were the limits of OSINT at this time and uh, on the subjects and uh, how did the work of analysis evolve? For example, on the propaganda, does it change in 2020, 
too. Is it the same propaganda stuff and the same techniques in Nozint to, to, to found this propaganda? Or yeah, so that's a, yeah, that's a good one. <clears throat> I mean, when, when we talk about this kind of um, things, um, you should view these you know, extremist and terrorist entities. And I, I don't want to talk specifically about one particular group, but more as like general. And this includes also like uh, the wider far right, I would say because uh, I've also done work on, on this uh, issue. But um, I would view it as like an ecosystem. And this is also what, what you can find in the literature. And that's why it's so important to monitor these groups, to understand, you know, where they communicate and how they, you know, how they adapt to um, social media pressure. And one of the things, so this was like uh, many years ago, you know, specifically with the so-called Islamic State, that it was so open uh, and big on the big social media platforms like uh, Twitter and Facebook. And uh, everyone remembers the good old days with Facebook when you were able to manipulate the URLs and get really interesting stuff. I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> the good old days and suddenly it stopped. Um, and when I was involved in this research project, uh, Facebook was absolutely amazing. Like one of the one of the favorite uh, search strings um, I was performing was to find people who like the Great British Bake Off. So this is like a very popular um, TV um, a TV show where people go out and then you know they they want to become the master pastry chef or whatever, and it's about baking and you have challenges and it's very popular and even I watched it. And then you know to to look at people who like the British Bake Off and the people who like specific pages of, at that time, you know, the so-called Islamic State, and then do an intersect search and see who liked that and, and that. And the list of people was pretty interesting. Like, this was also one technique, you know, to uncover people, um, yeah, <laughs> with, with this very niche interest. Because um, the idea was also, you know, to how can we identify them and how can we find, um, you know, these people with these two interests and try different things as well. Um, so that was one thing and it was pretty open and then of course social media efforts um, yeah they 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 have ramped up their efforts and significantly clamped down on them uh, first and foremost like on on Facebook and, and Twitter as well like there were lots of campaigns but there were also many other groups that publicly um, posted the accounts and helped also social media to show like first of all that there are these accounts and also you know to you know, help them to to remove these accounts, um, and they have done a lot. Um, uh, I have, uh, yeah, I have to say, they have done a lot. And there were also operations, for instance, by uh, Europol, coordinated takedown efforts. And there was one, I think, this was in 2019, with uh, specifically on Telegram. And I know it, why it was so noticeable because everyone was on Twitter. I lost my account. <laughs> I lost my research account because they they went after every single account. I don't know the details, uh, but it was a very successful operation, um, I would say. And also um, afterwards, I mean, they they kept like cracking down on them. And this is also what you are currently seeing with um, some of these uh, violent, you know, uh, of far right accounts. Uh, not all of them, but many of them. And and coming back to your question as well, like um, what I can see how they evolve. So there was in the literature they also talk about like a, a guacamole effect. Uh, so you kind of like you get rid of them here, but they pop out uh, here, 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 and here. So then there's also the question of 
you know, should you uh, clamp down on them so hard? Because by doing this, you force them into the corner or somewhere else. And, this, and that somewhere else can be even more secure where you can't get into, into this kind of thing. But um, with these groups, um, one needs to, you know, to just kind of like see it from a, this ecosystem point of view that they want to reach out to as many people as possible. It's about spreading the, their propaganda and spreading whatever they believe in and what they do. And technically speaking, you could go into a super uh, secure app, um, but no one will download it because you have to follow these instructions and OPSEC will be super high. So it's not user friendly. Um, that's why you kind of like have to have this compromise of, okay, then let's settle down on this platform here. Um, and uh, yeah, and then kind of like go go from there. But this will, of course, limit again, you know, the reach. And this will also lead to, again, account takedowns and uh, so forth. So this is always like a, a, a game. And um, one thing I wanted to stress as well is, you know, when we talk about platforms, um, that we shouldn't just look at the, the deep web. And deep web, I mean, like social media platforms, uh, first and foremost, or uh, encrypted messaging apps but also look at the, the surface web. And there are also many great entities out there that you kind of like monitor them and also put them on websites and show them that these sites are still active. And then, as I said, the ecosystem, understand where do these um, groups host their websites? Who are the providers, the infrastructure? Um, and they use many, many different services. It's not just going on one social media platform. No, it's about, you know, this thing, if they take it down here, we have 20 copies here, here, here and here. Um, and one uh, study I want to highlight is by uh, Tech Against Terrorism. So I used to work at Tech Against Terrorism, that I have to say. Uh, it's a UN-backed organization, a public-private partnership that helps smaller tech companies to tackle terrorist use of the internet um, whilst respecting human rights. So that's the mandate. And they specifically support smaller platforms. Smaller platforms is anything that's not, you know, the big Facebook, Twitter, etc. Because um, they often lack the... Uh, you know, the support or the, the data science team to get rid of these or even to just communicate with, you know, uh, whoever comes and says, take this down, please. And and they did a, a study recently, which is a really good one, where they um, looked at the surface web to just highlight that there are so many uh, websites um, operated by violent extremists and terrorist entities. And they are, you know, they are in the in the open. Anyone can access them, find them through search engines. And while we talk about, you know, oh, this company has to do more, that company has to do more, we should also start talking about what can we do about Surface Web. Um, so that's also an interesting thing. And in terms of techniques, um, you know, how the evolution of, you know, how to research these groups, um, I just can say like the, that monitoring is key. And this is also, um, you know, if I, for instance, I don't monitor them for like, let's say a month or so, I lose out on many different uh, things and new developments. For instance, you know, um, a new regulation comes up and then they get tackled or um, they get removed from this platform and then they move to another one and then you have to find this platform. So it's like a cat and mouse game. Um, but yeah, um, but there are some, you know, these entities, they kind of like keep a house, uh, uh, keep a, uh, their home base. They try to keep it. And uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah, it's it's challenging at times. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> um, you you are well known to on the Ozin community to to have been one of the Ozin Careers founder. Um, can you explain 
what was the purpose and what is the purpose of the of this website of this community yeah. initially and uh, what is uh, for our listeners who might not know uh, what is the history of us in curious yeah yeah sure absolutely uh, i mean i have to say so I, I am one of the co-founders, but I left uh, Austin Curious to start a new project. And this is just because of time. I just, you know, I, I don't want to commit to too many things. Uh, so I, I left Austin Curious. Uh, but yeah, I mean, hopefully everyone knows Austin Curious. It's a really cool project. And the idea, you know, came about. So we met at a conference in the Netherlands. And this was also coming back to one of the previous questions. Like, you know, there was nothing out there to practice. But we knew each other from Twitter. From so I was tweeting about you know researching stuff and extremism, and this is also how I knew like um, uh, uh, Technizet, for instance, because I was I was following her, and then kind of like yeah, um, I got an invite to the to the conference uh, to speak, and I was like hey cool, I'm so humbled, thank you so much, and then I meet all the other guys, and then uh, after the conference we kind of like came together and you know just to have a chat like we have right now. And then we were all saying, like, you know what? Uh, this is so cool, OSINT community. Like, it was, it was a really, um, yeah, everyone was saying the same, like, hey, we have to do something. And I think it was Micah um, who Micah had this. Ma Ma Micah Hoffman, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, at Web Breacher, who had the idea of, you know, he had this, this name always in mind, uh, OSINT Curious. Because we were all talking about the same thing. Like, everyone's curious. How did you get into OSINT? Uh, I mean, I just explained how I am. And I guess the same is with you. Like, how did you get into OSINT? The, this curiosity. And then we said, you know what? Um, we should start something like a project, a community project, um, that kind of like uh, becomes a hub for anyone who wants to get into OSINT. And by providing, you know, um, blog posts on very specific issues. And Technizet, for instance, uh, she has uh, written quite uh, quite a lot a uh, lot of blog posts on social media specific because this is like her area a very a very good blog post but also uh, nico sector uh, and all the other guys very nice people and uh, yeah super approachable and this is what i also like about this community that you know whenever you have a question you can reach out to them and uh, you know ask them on twitter hey i have a question can you help with this they point you to resources and it was It was really, I had such a great time and I actually was, yesterday um, the, we had a live stream and they invited me back for like an interview, which was really cool and very nice of them. And I mean, I'm still in contact with all of them uh, and uh, yeah, just out of time reasons, I, I had to leave. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool project and for anyone who wants to check it out, it's on osincurio.us. <laughs> And uh, yeah, they have a bunch of resources um, on Discord as well, and the blogs, webcasts, or the the live streams. Um, lots of really useful resources, definitely. Yeah, it's pretty funny because in the, in us in community, uh, I, I like it because we can talk to anybody. We don't care about the nationality. We 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 just care about not the skills, but about uh, the. Um, The patient of the guys, and uh, and that's uh, that's why I, I love this community. And yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. Exactly as you said. Like you can hear from my Terminator accent that you know I, I'm I'm from Germany most <laughs> likely. Yeah, you can hear it. Um, but you know it doesn't matter. Like whatever the level of English is or whatever language it is, uh, you communicate. It's just about meeting these interesting people and what what uh, you know what unites everyone is this passion for open source intelligence. Some may argue it's it's very geeky, you know, like talking about these things, but 
I, I don't know. It's it's just something I I'm so happy that I I found it because many people are struggling with just general, not just OSINT, you know, to find something that they are interested in. And I and I keep saying to people, even if it's not OSINT, because they ask like, what kind of job would you recommend? And I keep saying like, listen to whatever your heart or whatever your inner thing says. What what makes you happy? Whatever it, it is that you are passionate about. It doesn't have to be like terrorism and OSINT. Um, it could have been also something else. Like, I don't know, um, you like to bake, for instance, and you get so passionate about it. You start a blog, you share recipes, and then you meet other people. Like, this is so cool. Um, I really like the, mm. the community. It's amazing. Um, as you said, recently you launched uh, the OSINT Jobs project. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us more uh, yeah, uh, sure. uh, the, the story and what you want to do with it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, so that's why I left the OSINT Curious project uh, to start this new project called OSINTjobs.com. And OSINT Jobs, like this idea, you know, it's has been in my head for quite a long time. It was whenever I did training sessions or people contacted me and they asked me, hey, uh, I've been following you and I find it really cool what you do. I also want to do something similar. I also want to do terrorism. Uh, I also want to do, uh, not, not I want to do terrorism, but, you know, uh, OSINT, you know. Too late, you OSINT, are recorded. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, and asking me for kind of like career advice. And then I, I also from observing just the community, There is no such one single resource or hub for, you know, providing this advice. So this is when I said like, okay, uh, I want to start this, you know, community project and to provide this kind of hub. So people, when they have questions about careers, jobs or skills, can just go onto ozinjobs.com. And what it is, um, so it's not, so at the moment when you visit the website, it's it looks like a job board. But I stress that it's more than just a job board. So you will find jobs. Um, so all these jobs are handpicked and handpicked for a reason, just because there are many jobs out there that don't um, necessarily say OSINT, but the tasks involved is exactly the same thing. So you have to answer specific questions. You start with a requirement. You have to collect information from public sources and then, you know, make sure it's it's a good, uh, the, that the source is good and uh, verifiable, etc. Analyze it and then create a product. Um, and these kind of jobs exist, and uh, some companies also don't know that there is something called OSINT. But there are also many people who have been doing OSINT and don't know it's OSINT. I was one of them. Um, so that's why I have these ha um, handpicked jobs to help people apply uh, and find these positions so they don't have to do it. Um, and why I say it's more than just a job board is because it also has blog posts. And these blog posts, um, so at the moment we've got over 10 career interviews and what I did was um, asking practitioners from different industries to explain to me how they got started, where they work, what they do, what industry it is, what career advice they have, what skills are necessary in this specific field. So people who have the question of, hey, I like OSINT and InfoSec, um, how can I get started? That you can just point them to there and they also have a person who they could reach out to. Uh, and uh, there are more plans for for this specific section so one of the um the, the things that i'm doing at the moment from all of these you know 500 jobs i think almost um i added them into a database and i also extracted the the requirements and the uh, the skills and everything that you need for this particular job 
to do a meta-analysis for, you know, for each different uh, industry. So for instance, OSINT in InfoSec, OSINT in corporate security, OSINT in anti-money laundering, crypto-based, intelli- um, crypto, you know, cryptocurrency, uh, and this kind of, in, in, in this industry, what are companies asking for? What are the skills? And then on this section, you will then also find all the information. So people can look at different career paths for instance, they are interested in InfoSec, then they will see you have to, these are the top skills currently required and this will be updated every four months. So hopefully, um, you know, these are the, you know, um, the up-to-date skills of what the industry is asking for and this will help the, um, the, the people, on, uh, you know, to find jobs and grow their skills. So the bottom line is the mission of OSINT Jobs is to help the community grow their skills and advance their careers and the vision behind OSINT Jobs is to push the boundaries in OSINT by empowering everyone, telling them what skills they, they should focus on and grow to become successful in this area. And uh, we also uh, launched a podcast um, uh, recently, which again dives deeper into specific career questions. So the podcast is very different from this one, for instance, because it will only ask about you know the, the skills. Uh, and... Um, you know, I don't want to touch in, you know, talk about, you know, some stories of OSINT or so, but more understanding, okay, you work in the, the most recent one was, was with Skip, Skip yeah. Sheephorse. Yeah. Uh, hello, Skip. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Skip. <laughs> yeah, great guy. And uh, he is specializing in languages in OSINT. And the, then the questions are all about languages, like how can you learn languages? Um, you know, is it, how important is it in OSINT investigation, etc., etc. So like a 360 degree around languages in OSINT uh, to help people grow their skills. And uh, there are lots of other plans for OSINT jobs. We also got a newsletter, by the way, uh, where people can sign up for free. And it's uh, the next one coming out tomorrow. And it's a weekly digest of the latest tips and tricks uh, from Twitter. Um, Then also um, top stories and articles mentioning OSINT. So it's not just about, you know, this is the latest tool uh, found on Twitter, but also that industries are talking about OSINT. So people can also follow that, uh, the trends, market trends, etc. And of course, the latest exclusive offers, because uh, sometimes or yeah, oftentimes we, we work with these companies together, they approach us and they're looking for talents. So they give us the job descriptions and we post it on them. So there are lots of plans ahead uh, of how we can, you know, help the community find jobs and also the companies how to find uh, suitable talent. So lots of things planned. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that's about it. And uh, it's really interesting because you, you see a lot of, uh, of job offers uh, on OSINT uh, in the past months. In your opinion, which OSINT specialty will be growing, uh, will be in growing demand in, uh, in the few months, few years? Uh? Yeah, that's it's a tricky one. Um, I mean, what I can see um, right now from just monitoring them at these job indust- uh, these jobs and industries is that especially in the kind of like blockchain fields, crypto crypto fields, that there is a huge demand for investigators. And I think this has to do with, and I'm not an expert on this topic, but this has to do with uh, know your customer policy. I think anti money laundering and all these things, and you need to have investigators to kind of like double check, like where's this money going from and to. And uh, I think you you also have an episode with chain analysis, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So this, yeah. With so, Thomas uh, Desoute, uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, exactly. So um, 
this kind of field I can see, and especially when we think about future technologies, and this leads me back to, you know, looking at extremist organizations, because this is what interests me, trying to understand the trends in technology and how these groups utilize them. Because every single person, I mean, this is not extremist, but every single person uses new technology. And how can this be abused? I mean, everything, you know, technology, double-edged sword, will be always abused. But how can you, you know, we have to understand future tech to then kind of like see, okay, in order to counter this, so these groups can't use it, we have to do this. So that's all about it. And I think, or what I can see is that there's a growing demand in, in these kind of uh, skills, you know, to understand the technologies uh, and be able to, you know, query blockchains, different blockchains, because there are so many. And, you know, the in investigation. And there was also, like, when I think about cryptocurrencies, I read a book. It was by, I think it was Nick Fourneau. I think I also, yeah, I also spoke to him on a, on a Tech Against Terrorism podcast. Uh, he wrote this uh, excellent book on cryptocurrency investigations. There aren't that many. And this was also something I got really, like, into and fascinated me as well. But I couldn't, you know, pursue it to open up a new field or anything. But anyways, I think this this is a, a big thing um, where you will have lots of uh, opportunities. And when we think about, you know, the metaverse um, that's currently being built by, uh, by Facebook, um, and, you know, when they announced that the name of the company will now be changed to Meta, you can see all in into Metaverse. This is something that's going to be big. And the Metaverse is already around. And from my, so I haven't done any research on this, um, like thorough research on Metaverse and extremist groups, but I'm just thinking out loud now. So if you can, if you are able to put on some goggles, like in Ready Player One in that film, and then you dive into this into this uh, area of like wherever in the world, and then you meet like-minded people where you can talk about extremist stuff. You know, you're not anymore on on Telegram or communicating on on Twitter, but you put it on and you can see each other. You can have different you know skins and different things and walk around, even walk to a bar. Like anything is possible. Th that uh, and I can see that uh, from an investigation point of view, like how on earth like would uh, how how can you follow there so i can see the the social engineering skills also becoming more and more important if you want to engage um with these individuals because yes you can be um and i'm just thinking out loud again you can be like anonymous but you still have to talk to people uh, and interact with them because it's not going to be like passively just stand you know sitting in a room and then looking left and right and observing them people will ask you who the hell are you <laughs> you know <laughs> So maybe also in this area, uh, social engineering skills, uh, crypto. So this is what I would say uh, in the future. By the way, But, uh, thanks yeah. to Sinwindai, who done uh, a new uh, a new diagram, you know, of uh, OSINT investigations on uh, NFT yeah. and uh, with OpenSea and everything. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like the NFTs. Uh, you see, like the blockchain technologies and with NFTs. Um, that's the, that, that's also something I, I looked into uh, just for my personal understanding, not for OSINT purposes, but it's like uh, it's incredible with the Ethereum blockchain, for instance, the that these um, you know these program um, that you can build whatever you want, you know, like a the program smart contract. That, exactly, yeah. 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 Solidity gets, uh, language. Yeah, exactly. That gets executed and anything, and you have so many startups now trying to think what they can build. But I also think, you know, blockchain technology for OSINT, how could, how could it be used? And I think I mentioned it on another podcast that 
you know, in terms of mis and disinformation, or you know what's currently happening. You know, you have all those videos, uh, Ukraine and Russia, uh, the Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And then can we somehow make sure that this video is stored on the blockchain? So whenever someone queries it, the, the algorithm is smart enough to, to make sure that this is definitely from this conflict. So in five years time, in another conflict, if this video gets shared, the blockchain will tell you no. Yeah, you, you can, maybe you can do it with, a, we call this a oracle on smart contract. And for yeah. example, you, you see the location, you see the weather, yeah. the, the, the day and everything. And then you, you do the, the, the work of analyst. And yeah, it can be interesting to do like a score or this kind of stuff yeah, yeah. With, uh, with this kind of uh, a smart contract. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the sky is the limit, I think. And that's why you have so many startups and it's just very interesting to see like how OSINT could evolve using these technologies. Um, but also, you know, other things like how is society changing? Are we gonna, you know, are we going to use, you know, are we still using the uh, Twitter? You know, Twitter, like it's my favorite app. I love it, but are we going to change? Will there be something else? Like, I, don't, I can't think of anything right now, but you know, when we are in the metaverse, are you gonna, you know, at the moment, this looks so weird, like always people are on their phones, like head down. It's, will it change like in terms of like, you know, I flip the switch and then like in the metaverse now and then people are just doing this and everyone knows, oh my God, he's in the metaverse now. You know, something like this, I don't know. Um, but it's really exciting. <laughs> um, about those in jobs, do you think there is countries like uh, where it's more easy, where it's easier to find those in job? For example, uh, you find a lot on, in the UK or in the US uh do you share this opinion or yeah, yeah. so um us uk definitely um these are also like they have lots of offers uh, always on um but also european countries many um and also in middle east as well so with osin jobs um when sourcing jobs i try to include uh, not to focus on very specific regions europe or in my case germany just because i speak the language i try to you know for the entire community and the community is big and there are like countries everywhere but yeah and this is what i said earlier it could be that you know the us and uk they are they are already aware of this especially like security industry about the importance of osin and that's why you also see these articles um you know popping up everywhere trying to influence also you know um politics to be like hey osin is so important we have to heavily invest in this and right now what we see is exactly OSINT is is so important and it will become even bigger now i think that the and uh, in La when was it um august 21 um the economist published this article the promise of open source intelligence um i mean i read the economist and when i read it like and i knew that every executive manager a manager who's who's reading the economist will look at the cover story and like what is open source intelligence reads it and thinks like Hey, this is this is pretty cool. How can we use it, you know? And then you know, looking into inside the organization, and maybe it just takes some time, uh, you know, to figure out how companies can utilize this for their purposes. Because not everyone needs, you know, satellite images. Um, but it's it's about you know having these uh, curious people, combining different data sets, analyzing it to extract the relevant uh, pieces. You know, they need to find the answers. Um, so it's pretty exciting and you know coming back to your question yes us uk is definitely easy but what i can also see is that some companies and um, you know we had this exclusive offer with uh, a company um, 
uh, yeah, with a, with a company, and they had seven uh, positions to advertise for. So this was pretty good uh, for OSINT jobs. And I'm still following up. And some of these roles were remote positions. So I, I can also see this as like a trend in the OSINT job market, just because it's, it's, it's coincide or, or it goes in hand in hand with the wider trends in the job market, thanks to, you know, the pandemic that people started realizing that I don't like my job. I don't want to drive one hour to get to work if I can work from home. And it's so nice, you know, I don't even have to put on pants or whatever and just have my coffee and start working. That people, uh, I forgot, um, it has a specific name. And I think the, the CEO of LinkedIn, he wrote a blog post and coined the term of, I forgot. Uh, and he was saying like that this is like one massive factor people are rethinking. But also, you know, with OSINT, you just need um, a laptop and internet and you can work from anywhere. So if you if you are in a business of, let's say, corporate security, um, you know, looking at situational awareness of what's going on in different countries and you can, instead of getting people uh, in your city where you are based and pay them high salaries, office costs, is it possible to manage a team that is spread out across the world with people who speak the, the local language uh, and are you know on the ground and can even maybe you know um, you know just go on somewhere or the local news you know tap into networks talk to people on the ground and get the information from there is it is it not possible and I mean companies are already doing this to some degree but you know remote working opportunities um, I, I think that they will also increase because companies will will realize that you know no one wants to come into the office or hybrid roles maybe. But uh, yeah, remote working opportunity might be something. For you, what is the best way to learn about OSINT and to prove your skills on a CV yeah. about OSINT? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a very important one. Um, I keep telling people when they reach out and ask for advice, um, like I want to find an OSINT shop and I've been unlucky. And then I ask, okay, which positions have you applied for? Okay, these positions. Okay, then I ask, okay, this is a position specifically looking into, let's say, cryptocurrency. Um, what have you done in this area? Uh, can you sh uh, just name the, the experience that you have and some projects you worked on? And then there's the gap. Um, so what I'm trying to say here is that for people who, who want to apply for positions and writing cover letters and CVs, it's all about demonstrating that you have the experience by just having a bullet point saying OSINT and then writing in brackets advanced or something is not what uh, what uh, companies want to see. What they want to see is that you understand the industry and the tasks involved. Uh, so for instance, um, corporate security, um, you know, GSOC analyst or something um, where you have to write daily reports, uh, strategic, tactical, whatever, situational awareness of what's going on and how this is impacting the business. Um, I spoke on OSINT jobs um, to, to people on this very specific issue because they are the industry experts and they, they were all telling me the same thing, report writing skills, writing, writing, writing. Uh, and also when I see, you know, wider community, I haven't seen a lot of blog posts on how to write reports. It's mostly, it's mostly on, on, tech, uh, tech, uh, on techniques and, and lists collecting. of... Exactly, exactly. collecting, collecting, but collecting. But OSINT, we know it's collecting and analyzing the information. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, that's exactly 100%. Um, but there seems to be this kind of, um, yeah, people love tools. I don't know why, but they just love them and love to collect them. There are even lists of lists of lists. 
So, which is good. I'm not saying this is bad, but people should not forget that it's not just about these tools. And if you want to impress with your CV, it's not by impressing uh, through, you know, writing some bullet point and then I can run Recon NG, <laughs> you know, which is, which is still a very important tool. But you should instead say, like, I can do, you know, I can um, describe a case or something that you worked on that was successful in a cover letter, for instance. So for in if you apply for a position, you know, um, where you have to write daily reports and you have to describe complex issues in very simple terms and, you know, very short, then also do this in your cover letter. And then, you know, of course, you're going to use these different tools to come to this thing, but um, you have to demonstrate. And this is the, the, the important thing, demonstrated experience. And um, the, the thing is here, so if you are starting or you're trying to transition um, and you don't have a lot of experience or you haven't worked uh, in this specific area, but you would love to, then you kind of like have to think about how can you gain these skills uh, or this experience. And one thing is also, of course, uh, professional courses help as well because you get issued a certificate. And then you can, for instance, um, I mean, this is always case by case. Right. So it, I don't want to give like a broad and uh, I want to give just a broad answer. But what you could do, for instance, if you want to become whatever, let's say, you know, uh, GSOC. All right. Um, and then you you kind of like do the professional certificate, you get the course, then you can kind of like maybe start writing a blog and gain experience, reach out to people on LinkedIn, you know, ask for someone who could mentor you or ask them questions and then kind of like go for entry-level jobs. And there are also some entry-level jobs in this area specifically to get into it. And then, you know, if, if I, for instance, saw a CV and I see someone is clearly like starting off, has uh, the experience through like a, did like a course, is very interested, runs his own blog where weekly summarizes the world news. I can have a look at that. I can read through it and see like, oh, I like the writing skill, like clearly can write clearly can summarize a very complex issue. This is like, you know, a demonstrated experience. And either you're lucky and you can maybe get an internship, a paid one, or you can kind of like create it yourself and try and just run your own blog and post it on Twitter. So many people have done that and have become very, very successful by just, you know, putting out their own content and trying to do this. I was, you know, also putting out some content and trying to show... Uh, this I was doing it indirectly. I wasn't like, oh, that's my marketing strategy. I have to show. No, I was just like, I wanted to share stuff. But people notice and then they talk to you and say like, hey, would you be interested in working uh, for us? Would you be interested in working as a freelancer? I'm like, hell yeah, <laughs> that would be cool. So yeah, demonstration um, through, you know, through the, uh, yeah, yeah, demonstrate your experience is, is crucial. Yeah. Um, which people well, or websites do you recommend to follow for someone interested in the OSINT field, but also in the terrorism? I mean, not terrorism like you <laughs> yeah. said before, but uh, in uh, studying terrorism uh, on the investigation uh, on terrorism yeah. and this kind of stuff. Or oh, there are a couple of websites, and I will send you the links so you can put them in the show notes. Uh, so the one resource that comes into my mind, so let's start off with OSINT first. So there are the usual um, suspects, I would say, like OSINT Curious is one of them. Um, then there are, there's, of course, Bellingcat as well. Um, there's uh, OSINT Combine. There are so many Intel techniques, 
technizet.com, Sector 035. The newsletter of Sector. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's been uh, he's been sharing the, the newsletter for years and it's like a valuable source. Like everyone knows him. Uh, he's he's amazing. Um, Sector 035, also one of the founding members. Um, and yeah, this this was, yeah. So Sector 035's newsletter, then osinjobs.com now, um, also with a newsletter. And you can, what, what I recommend is that people, you know, they can create RSS feeds and then easily follow all of them. Um, so Sector 035's newsletter is also an RSS feed. Uh, Osin Curious, what else? Uh, Osin Dojo, also amazing. Um, perfect. And this is also, you know, uh, that is also one thing people can do. Demonstrated experience, become a shogun. <laughs> yeah, right? Sure. Um, CTF, is, CTF really cool. is, a, is a nice uh, stuff exactly. to, to put on your CD. Yeah. Yeah, uh, also Micah has now um, his uh, an another project, osin.games, yeah. where you can oh, also sure. do CTFs. Uh, there are also many CTFs where people can participate. And that's also something, you know, to highlight in a, C in a CV is to say, like, uh, I contributed in an OSINT capture the flag, you know, and uncovering uh, crucial evidence or information to about the, you know, whereabouts of a missing person. Like, these are all things that you can... You know, highlight your skills. Of course, if you win a black badge, you can say like, hey, I got the black badge. <laughs> Many other things. So this is one thing to just follow. And I think the, the easiest way to follow everything uh, in OSINT is just follow the hashtag OSINT um, on, on Twitter. I mean, discords, there are so many discords uh, as well. Um, like you've got also a discord channel. Um, there are, I mean, there are, there are many groups and it really depends on what your interests are. And what you, there are some discords that are more for like talking about tools. Some are more focused on, you know, investigating together. Uh, I think there are lots of opportunities where one can just get the information um, for OSINT. And what I also like is that, you know, all this information is publicly available. So. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. in a, a terrorism uh, case. Uh, yeah. Ah, yeah, exactly. So uh, for this issue, um, so I created the Start.me page, uh, which is available under... Um, Rad, so R A D T E R dash, uh, wait, yeah, O S I N T, OSINT.com. So Rad, Ter, dash, OSINT.com. And this is a start.me page where I have different categories for these specific issues. So one lists all the big research institutes, um, Tech Against Terrorism, for instance, the Sufan Group, Institute for Strategic Dialogue, uh, Moonshot CV, and uh, Run, um, you know, um, Europe, and all these big entities that publish uh, amazing research. Europol as well. They, you know, they they have also the annual reports. So one can just find all these uh, entities. Because what I also noticed um, that people asked me like, "Hey, I got assigned to this new thing, and I have to, you know, investigate these groups. I'm new to it. Where can I get started?" And that's why I also created it. And there you will also find lots of uh, OSINT tools, but that's kind of like the, the digest of all these entities out there. And um, I'm also, uh, I also have a special category for far right. So people can, you know, get into this field quickly. Glossary of terms, that's a different area, new terms, terminology, meme culture, gamification, all the, kinds of things. Uh, in my opinion, the best way to learn OSINT is to read report. Uh, and uh, like, for example, Blinkett reports or any report in OSINT, you will see the methodology, you will see the tools, you will see everything. And uh, for me, yeah, it's one of the, the best stuff. Uh, so do not hesitate to follow uh, all the all these yeah. uh, papers and everything. 
Um, so, which OSINT investigations have stood out for you? Oh, which stood out? Um, do you mean generally or the ones I did? The both. <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> um, yeah, which one stood out? I mean, there are so many and I'm always like, um, yeah, one thing I can I can talk about now is the um, um, Benjamin Strick with the Center for Information Resilience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What they have been doing, the, the map, uh, with, you know, using the, uh, or working with the community and with other entities to document uh, everything that has been going on from the build-up of the Russian uh, troops along the border throughout uh, this war now and documenting everything. And, you know, they go through a rigorous process and methodology and make it available to everyone. There are so many people with different uh, agendas of what they have to do. And this is just an invaluable, like a, a valuable resource. Um, value, yes, valuable resource. And you, you know that it, it is, everything is vetted. And what goes on there goes through, as I said, like a, a, um, a rigorous process. Um, and this is like one example of like really amazing work um, and shows the power of OSINT. And I think the, the map is also cited across many, many newspapers and was also on TV uh, mentioned uh, many times because I saw Ben doing interviews. Uh, so this is definitely like a, uh, like a great example uh, and a current one as well of what you can do in OSINT. Um, so really good example. And uh, one that I did, um, I mean, I don't like to talk about uh, lots, of the, lots of the things, but one that I also use for training uh, as well. But uh, you see, like, I never publish any articles on these things because I don't want to give away any techniques uh, <laughs> or anything that I did. But, uh, um, <clears throat> but one of the, the things that stood out for me was very interesting because it was, I think I mentioned it at a conference or, or so, uh, so it should be maybe public, but I can describe it. So there was a, a gentleman and then he went to, you know, to, to do something very bad in another country. And uh, yeah, he kind of like left a comment on a, on a Facebook post. And um, this comment was something like, this was my house before I left, you know. Uh, and then the question was to find out where, who this guy is and where he lives. Because the evidence from the other Facebook accounts and other social media accounts is crucial for prosecution purposes. Because this is one of the biggest thing when some of these guys return, um, you know, and then to show that and prove, because uh, I'm not a legal expert, but in some countries it's challenging to say like, you didn't just go to this country to do, you know, humanitarian work. You were there actually to do very bad things. And now we have proof. Um, so this comment stood out for, for this particular reason. And the, the photo um, was very um, difficult to geolocate. If I showed it to you now, there is not much, you know, to, to geolocate. But I like to use it because I want to emphasize in the, in the, in the training the, the, the pivoting. Um, just because this photo um, doesn't give a lot of details, uh, you can still find out where this is and eventually geolocate it. And what I did was going through other photos and then I could cross-reference this photo with another image that had more details. From that image, I could then uh, find out, um, kind of like narrow it down to a marina because you could see the um, boat registration number. And from the marina, I just had the, like, the hypothesis that if that person was walking around and taking photos in that marina, 
uh, that person must be living somewhere around in a, like a radius of whatever, five kilometers, 10, 20, whatever, in that city. And then uh, by combining another detail that stood out in the first image, which was the color of a building, which was pretty distinct. And I had to ask, uh, I asked also friends and um, everyone like, am I crazy? But this color is very distinct. And combining both, I was able to geolocate, uh, geolocate the image. And from the geolocation on Google Earth, and kind of like, you know, find out the exact location from where it was taken. So I could find the address and the name. And then I forwarded everything to the authorities. Um, yep. And then I also got an email quickly back like, hey, thank you. And they were pretty interested in the methodology of like, uh, how? <laughs> and then I explained everything uh, of how I did. And uh, yeah, so this was one that was for me like, um, like, uh, yeah, something that, you know, um, that was very that was successful and I like to show um, just because of the the, the fact of pivoting because um, this is oftentimes in in OSINT investigations that it's not that straightforward I mean some cases are like straightforward but in some you just have to you know try and think you know and try to put them together and think if that doesn't work then pivot and do something and you know this pivoting for instance um, where you can learn it is also through these CTFs, uh, missing uh, missing person CTF, where you look at social media profiles and you have these, you know, these um, details that you have to find and you get points for it. And then you f can't find it on this account. Then let's try and find other social media accounts. Maybe that information is somewhere else. And this pivoting is, is crucial and it's a good practice uh, through these CTFs as well. Thank you very much, Laurent. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Oh, I hope yeah. you enjoyed uh, this uh, this little interview. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having me. This was very, very nice. You are welcome. And uh, thank you again. And uh, we hope you uh, a lot of success in all your projects. Ah, thank you. Ah, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> Thanks. Thank See ya. See ya. See ya. <laughs>